0: What is up, Asymmetry? How y'all doing? We have these really, really close collaborators that I feel so fortunate to continue to get to work with. And one of the people that's been here from the very beginning is Austin Heitzman, just a woodworker on another level, uh, an artist coming into his own, a master craftsman understanding his medium, to a degree that's really starting to create and give rise to unseen pieces of art and contextual representation in the form of wood. And with his recent body of work that we've had the luxury of experiencing at Mirai, we wanted to circle back with Austin, say hello, catch up with an old friend and see what's new in the world of his creative mind and his continued pursuit in mastery of craft.
1: We call this the extended sound check. I think that's yeah, what they call yeah. it in the yeah. business.
0: And you can refer to Ira as laser beam now, just FYI.
2: Okay, laser beam.
0: Uh huh. He's trying to make that stick. All right. <laughs> oh, don't I, I worry. I think we're done with the interruption
2: <laughs> oh, now. Oh, you don't like worry, door, It was
1: already on Mariah Live. <laughs> People are already picking yeah. it up.
2: Oh man! Laser
1: beam, go! It reminds me of my days when I was an American Gladiator. Mm-hmm. It's nice to relive those moments.
2: Mm. Those, those are good years. Uh, What's my nickname? If we're going to go there,
0: well, everybody needs a trucker name. You've driven across the country. What's your name? That's not for me to decide.
2: I, I, nobody, nobody was riding shotguns, so no one gave me one. You can't decide your own name. That's that's not legit.
0: I, I have my
2: name. I, was, I was
0: given a name long ago. Is it Curly Charles? See? <laughs>
2: Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm that curly, except in a few spots. <laughs> What's your name, Ryan?
0: Uh, Mr. Steele. Mr. Steele. Mr. Steele. Doesn't Modest. that sound nice? Yeah, you he really chose something. You kinda, can't. Kinda I didn't solid. choose it. You can't I didn't give choose it. that to yourself. I did you not choose give that. that to yourself. I Whatever didn't choose with that. The Mama Bird? And that was that's, Peter that's when it all happened. Oh, okay. That's when it all happened. Mama
2: Bird, you can give yourself. Mama Bird. Mama
0: Bird was Zach uh, Shiman. Peter was. Uh,
1: mama bear Peter was pu- like fuzzy, fuzzy, fuzzy bear. Or
0: something. Or, yeah. Something like that. And, and I was Mr. Steel.
1: Yeah. Fuzzy wuzzy was a bear. Yeah, that it was, it was yeah. Something like that.
0: I don't know.
2: Well, feel free to blurt out at any point of this. Yeah. If, you if think I come up, if me. we,
0: if we, if we can think of a trucker name, uh, because you basically have a headset on that you'd wear in a semi, then we will, uh, mm-hmm. we'll be dialed in.
2: What's going on, dude. How you
0: doing? I'm okay.
2: I got a, a gnarly bout of poison oak. That um, I'm hoping to get some cortisone for here in a couple of hours, so my wife will touch me again. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, was that on the tape? I don't or was know. Still that, was defi- that was definitely here?
0: on the on the tape. Hey, oh, how'd damn. you get poison yeah. oak hunting for fossils?
2: Uh, no, hunting for bonsai. Actually, I was out Ooh. the river looking okay. for some white oaks because they got some nice white oaks out there. Yeah, don't and, collect them in the spring. Uh, I was Uh trailblazing yeah oaks i i I collected one years ago and it leafed out beautiful beautiful tree and leafed out i was dancing for victory and then it just cratered died yeah and uh, i always hate it when they die and i always hate killing them so i just kind of took a step back from the oaks for years now it's been Mm -hmm. probably seven eight years um but i was out vacationing in hood river and they're just God, they're ready to go. They're amazing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd give it another try. I heard springs pretty good. Trying to thread that needle where it's just starting to push, but not too far along.
0: Mm. Springs terrible. Anyway, went
2: out there. Is it terrible? <laughs> terrible. Well,
0: terrible for good. for for deciduous oaks. Terrible.
2: Okay. Well, there you go. Anyways. Add another one to the kill list. <laughs>
0: no. Uh, who knows? Who knows? No. It's actually, leafing. I mean. Leafing. Gariana Gir- is so tough to collect. So, so are a yeah, lot of the Mediterranean oaks. And uh, the secret to success, I have a number of students that have been working on this for a number of years, is leaf drop in the fall, collect them, put them into as small of a container as possible in straight pumice, water them, let all the excess water run out and put them inside of a black plastic bag, tie it shut and don't yeah. open it till spring.
2: Todd was telling me, mm-hmm. uh, sweating it, they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying though, you got to open up that bag every day to let fresh air in. No,
0: um, that's not, that's not, so no, that's not true. That's not that's true. It. You okay. might, you might, peri- huh. you might periodically open it up so that it's not yeah. completely anaerobic, but the key is to get all excess moisture out before you put that tree in the bag. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Cause, uh, I mean, I found that the root structure in hood river the last one i collected was out of bend and, and bend it was just straight down taproot nothing else mm-hmm. uh hood river a little moister, mm-hmm. so there's a little more surface route right. to the game right um which was nice to see um but anyway I ended up climbing up a hillside with a bunch of these short little twigs um <laughs> coming out <laughs> <laughs> yes. and about halfway Jackpot. through this yeah Halfway through this thicket, I see them growing up a tree trunk, and I'm like, "Oh uh, man, I know what that is." Leaves the But at that point, you're be. halfway in, and so you're like, "I've already like I'm already covered." So and what you're sweating at this point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and then it was like the ticks are out in force. Um, I got five on me that day, uh, and so tick checking as I go because they they were hungry little buggers. Usually they wait a couple of days before they start to burrow, but I was getting them biting me, you know, within minutes. And so I was tick checking, you know, periodically throughout the day to make sure that I don't get them. Jeez. And so in all my tick check spots, which are the fun spots, I've just got poison oak, like nobody's business. Wow. 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 So that's <sighs> a long way around that story.
0: Man, the first time I got poison oak, I didn't even know what poison oak was. I'd heard of poison Neither ivy. Neither did I. I didn't know poison oak existed in Colorado. I was crawling around in it. I was rolling in it. I was like, I might as well have eaten it. It was ter- It was terrible i mean my i got you one go ahead
2: (laughs) i was coming out here moving out here Uh and i had and i was so excited to learn all the western species of trees so i had my western audubon tree identification guide right and we're stopped at some california campsite and i'm looking at this leaf and i'm like man that is an interesting leaf it's kind of like a box elder but it has like an oaky kind of look to it i pick a leaf and i'm holding it and i'm flipping through my book and all of a sudden it kind of all settles into me that, Oh my God, you know, that looks like poison Ivy with the, you know, kind of Oak like right, edge. That's right, a poison Oak. Right. And I'm sitting here in my hand, you know, wash my hands to try and get the oils off, but yeah, too late. Yeah. Got it all over. Of course, again, in the spots that you don't want it
0: Yeah,
2: while doing a road trip. Oof. So I'm sitting there stewing with, you know, some very sensitive areas covered in this stuff in an automobile in the summer.
0: Unbelievable.
2: Driving Unbelievable. out to AC uh, Portland, fails. Oregon.
0: That sounds, yeah. that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. God. Well, so uh cortisone shot takes care of poison Oak. I didn't know that.
2: That is the rumor. I was talking to a guy yesterday from California and he's like, what the, what, what are you doing? Like get to a doctor, go to a zoom care, get a cortisone shot. It'll be cleared up in an afternoon. Like oh why gosh. are you wow. sitting here? Pussing through your pants. No, no calamine
1: like, lotion, uh, like. Uh, I
2: mean, I've been living in calamine lotion. I have been uh, taken baths in the stuff. I yeah. mean, that stuff works. You know, twelve hours of relief, maybe. But uh, the cortisone's supposed to clear it up. Uh, Boom. Yeah. When so hopefully I'll be steroids. free of it Saturday if I can puss enough for these guys to give me one.
0: Um, oh, that's, God. That, we'll that, see. Is, that is sheesh. That goes that back. To I gotta rough.
2: pass my. my my cortisone test here. Yeah, in right. an hour or
0: two. Jesus, yeah, this cow. is off to
2: a great start. I, I'll I tell I you think what, people are really going to thank an goodness. The rest of this yeah, one. it's I, been a hot
0: minute <laughs> since we've got up, and I did not realize what I've been missing. <laughs> stay, stay tuned. It just gets better
1: from here.
2: <laughs> yeah, it'll be another seven years before you hear me on the podcast. Now, yeah, huh? that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, one of the we, most
1: listened to episodes of all time. That's about right. to yeah, no, but
0: we're well, we,
2: going to be this one.
0: You dropped off a, a new shipment of stands, and we got some of the. Uh, what could I say some of the new pieces that were born from the lab project with the concrete tops saw some new designs and it was uh super interesting to engage with them uh and have them in the studio and stuff and uh you know what what's your what's your thought around this idea of indoor outdoor stands or these other materials in the in the realm of both woodworking and merging of the two materials, as well as how they fit into the bonsai scene.
2: I think it blows the bonsai scene wide open Mm. in in terms of display. I mean, display has always been this very narrow window and that was the thing with the lab that really kind of was bugging me about my part in the whole thing is everybody kind of got these, you know, these larger roles in the sense of it's a more year round exposure experience. Whereas then the display side of that's truncated to this, like, Oh yeah, two days, here you go. And then mm-hmm. just put that back in the closet, let it get some dust. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what's all that effort for then, you know? Um, and to be able to have a display that can grow and evolve with the tree in tandem too, is a very interesting kind of angle to it all. Um, allowing, the display almost to be a dynamic element rather than this kind of put it together, show it off, pack it up, be done. Um, You know, and the concrete's a fun medium to work with. I, I didn't go, I was a painter in, in school, um, unfortunately. And uh, so casting had never been, been my thing. I'd, I'd never tried it before. That was the first time that I've ever experimented with, with casting at all. Uh, so there's a steep learning curve on that. Um, I was lucky the guy working with me at the time, uh, during the lab, uh, was like some sculpture aficionado and, and just knew all the casting stuff I needed to know. So I was just able to lean hard on him to, to kind of figure that out. Um, probably would have never got there without that. I was just kind of a fortunate moment where, you know, people you're around and things you're interested in come together perfectly timed and enable you to do the work you kind of want to do. Um, I feel like that was a sprawling question. You asked me Ryan there, Uh, (laughs) as far as like incorporating that medium into furniture. Um, I think there's interest there interest for me personally. Um, the concrete is somewhat limiting in you know, weight structure, those kind of elements, um, like a concrete, coffee table would be insane um to manage in, in like a functional logistical kind of way right. just off of the weight and everything but it would be really cool um you know you were asking me about fossil hunt and getting the poison oak i think the concrete and the fossil really tie in together because really fossils are just casts of you know biological things that have lived eons ago um, the material is gone and it's just kind of rock has been put in its place and you, and you have this cast of what was there before. And so like the concrete is pretty much the same process, just sped up where mm. I'm just taking the organic form, making my mold and then casting that in stone. Um, which, you know, has attributes that the original material never could achieve. Right. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there uh, to evolve that and to push it. I mean, outdoor furniture, um, it's kind of limitless. And it's just going to kind of, a lot of it will probably come down to what other people are interested in exploring. Um, You know, I don't think I'll bite off uh, too big a project just on spec. I I try not to get too deep in the spec weeds these days because it just, I'm tired of storing stuff that, you know, I make on a whim. Um, I tend to let the the custom desire drive that more than just kind of doing it to do it. Um, have you had anybody good, maybe like that?
0: Yeah, have you had anybody ask you for this?
2: As far as like custom outdoor. Yeah, Display. just just
0: just just a concrete stand after after the lab was kind of unveiled. Because I mean, you had multiple real, you had multiple stands that had out- outdoor functionality in the Wasn't lab the, project. The
1: copper one was really interesting. Too. Yeah, for sure. Like the copper shingles. Shingle well, well, that for
2: me became an exploration of how to make an outdoor stand uh-huh. um that whole project that that was kind of my evolution of my logic on how do we make this outdoor thing work um you know starting from zero not really understanding i mean that first one with the copper i built like a house thinking i'll just protect it with a roof and then the wood will be okay um which is has a potential but then it's not quite as bulletproof as something that's completely you know in like concrete is in itself protected there's it doesn't need protection mm-hmm. it, it is comfortable outdoors in that sense. Um, so going through that project was a lot allowed me to kind of figure that out in my own head, how that's going to function. Um, I've sold a concrete stand uh, at the Pacific. Um, I've had people reach out for me in the past about kind of setting up garden display and design mm-hmm. um, and none of it materialized. It just kind of was like we had initial conversations and then it just petered out over time and and nothing ever came of it um i'd be interested and very open to that should you know the perfect storm come together right uh but yeah i mean i feel like part of it is you kind of have to have that hook in the water to catch a fish um so i was you know fortunate the lab kind of allowed me to you know bait that hook and, and put it out there yeah um, and we'll just kind of see what that bears I'm
0: I'm shocked, honestly, uh, in unpredictable ways, how much the lab opened the door for a lot of different opportunities, how much exposure that project, because when we were doing the lab project, it never felt like there were that many people that were aware or watching, but the lab project has led to so many different things uh, from that, that collaboration that it's like, man, what an intangible value that project as a whole. Actually, Aaron Packard is here today. We, we, I like just said goodbye to him and came up here to talk to you because we were loading a tree for uh, his avant-garde exhibition that he's getting ready to do. Um, but, I, but I do think about that a lot, just like these unexpected ways and these tangential nuggets or gems or little Pieces of gold that we pick up and kind of run with. And I really saw that happen with the challenge to create uh, a 365 day a year stand with you and then getting this last bunch of work from you, which it's also interesting how your bone size stands are creating the furniture that you make, right? Like the, it seems like, and I don't know which design came first. I guess I would want to know that uh, next, but. But as far as like seeing the concrete piece integrated into the stands that you dropped off, it was like, oh, wow, look at that. I'm just I'm continually marveling at this this uh, this momentum and this uh, direction and this trajectory that the lab kind of created for things. And it has certainly continued to push us in directions that I had not anticipated. And it, it seems like it's doing the same for you.
1: L- little housekeeping oh. here. Can either of you kind of just dive into what the lab really was for somebody who maybe wasn't into eye. This is probably three or four years ago. Is it 2018? Yeah. It involved a lot of yeah, yelling. Yeah, insane. There was some screaming. Yeah, and too, was
2: some... <laughs> and crying too. I think on the part of Ron for, for too, sure as well. Yeah, he did. Um, the lab was a uh, project Aaron uh, Packard. Set forth where we. It started off to be only uh, we were going to design a pot tree and stand kind of as a collective art form together collaboratively, um, and then Ryan stuck his hands in in the mix and and then we had three. Uh, I think it was well actually maybe Ron I don't know everybody kind of got. We were on all board sitting there the talking project. about it. Yeah, Aaron made the mistake of asking for an opinion <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> out of that opinion what a rookie he move. got three times the project that he uh planned on signing up for he, to begin with yeah
0: can we expand that budget which,
1: please
2: yeah which was good too because i think that project really took three three at bats to really nail and get something significant out of i mean that first one we were kind of operating in our existing modes of creation i was trying to push You know, what a display could be and how a display can support a tree and how a tree can integrate with a stand trying to break away from this like tabletop thing. Um, but then it evolved over time and kind of introduced that outdoor element because there was the time and space for it to evolve Mm -hmm. with the three different trees and projects. Um, which was great for me. I mean, the whole lab for me was basically, you know, like how I was saying before, I'm kind of reluctant to get too deep in the spec work weeds because you can just collect furniture pieces that way. Um, but the the lab kind of created this um, kind of basically unqualified demand. You know, it's just like make what you want to make, the spec work you want to make, and we'll take it off your hands, you know, sight unseen almost at that, which is great because i was able to kind of create without having to worry about any sense of market or viability mm-hmm. or anything just kind of like this is the artistic vision that i want to put together and you know how the bonsai community accepted it, how it works into conventional ideas of bonsai display how marketable is this product didn't have to feed into that thought process um And allowed me to really kind of just go off the rails and and see where you know the artistic element would take me um which was awesome and i think you know kudos for aaron for having the the cojones to do that because you know it has really i think opened up a lot of doors uh especially in the bonsai display realm Mm -hmm. uh as far as where that he continues to kind of modify that project every time i see the tree exhibited You know, he's incorporated glass, cut paper, and he tends to kind of um, push that envelope a little further, which I think is great, because I think things do come of that. Um, There is a lot of evolution that can happen very quickly when it's given that kind of environment
0: um, and and freedom to evolve. Totally. And how challenging, too. I mean you know, this is really what an, uh, the notion of a patron is, is 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 somebody who supports an artist's spec work, right? Like the artist's ability to explore, to see what that outer limit or what kind of creative con- concept will come from that. But, you know, now Aaron is stuck with this stuff as well as a institution. The Pacific Bonsai Museum is, is like stuck with this stuff But I just continue to think, man, to have outdoor display tables custom to a tree is unique to the Pacific Bonsai Museum now. Not not as far as like a bench. It's not a bench. It's a fine art piece that is custom created for the tree to execute a particular context or dialogue. And that's the only institution in the world that I know of that has that uh, capacity now. I don't know what he's going to do with the glass. But it would be pretty rock and roll if the glass continued to be a part of that uh, ongoing execution of that aesthetic.
2: That it would be. I mean, the glass is another medium that is durable outdoors. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and as far as your terminology goes, um, I would say I would be stuck with the pieces. I would say Aaron is blessed to have. The pieces. I don't think stuck is the <laughs> right, 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 correct right. term there. Right. Um, you know, it's stuck when you make it, and then when the other person gets it, they're they're blessed to have it. Um. But yeah, I mean, he he kind of made himself that institution, the only institution to have that. He kind of pushed that evolution, you know, by providing the environment for it to happen. Yeah. Um. He and so, Kathy for you sure. Know,
0: yeah. He and Kathy. Yeah.
2: And, they kind of get the credit for that advancement you know it's like we discovered the jet engine under their watch you know and having never lived in the 1400s i'd never really quite enjoyed the um patron you know uh, (laughs) artist relationship quite to that level (laughs) you know yeah right like i have plenty of patrons in my life but there's always a string attached Uh one way or the other i you know rarely get absolute carte blanche you know like come in saying hey you know i don't care you know um so it's just awesome to to be able to have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's a rare treat. Sounds um, like I you guys in should do it lifestyle or life.
0: Yeah, I don't know what's gonna I'll, come of I'd that. I'd be game. I don't know what's gonna come of that. Yeah, you're I, gonna have to I would do it I would do it again. I would want it to be a little different. Yeah. You know, I'd want it to be obviously I don't I don't know if we could pull Ron out of retirement to Re-engage with that project. Maybe after that might have been what drove him into retirement. Honestly, (laughs) that that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back.
2: Oh, I bet you we could get Ron. Ron's going to get bored here sooner than later, yeah, you know? There's yeah, only so sure. much to do out there by a drain lake. You can uh, only post oh. Merry Christmas Reggie so, on
1: Instagram so many times before yeah. before you get tired of it. In the middle I of need to start the, count,
2: counting that, how many times he's posted You notice that, that too? Some, I, I get, Ryan just, and
1: I talk about that once in a while. It's so funny.
2: I You I I know it's his intentional. I was hacked for the longest time. No. So it must be. I no. mean, Ron's a hilarious guy um, oh that's all the stories ron. that i got to hear over the course of that uh, project were yeah. amazing yeah like, i thought i had some shenanigans but ron i think trump's all with Ron's some of the shit he pulled off God. over the course of his career he's the best um but yeah i would think that project if it was to be reinitiated or redone it would i think naturally uh be different just by the yeah, you know, if i were to do it again i would explore a different side of it i don't think i could personally you know carbon copy that i wouldn't want to mm. um but i would love to to have that kind of freedom to explore yeah again i i mean if aaron contacted me wanting to do lab 2.0 i, I don't think there'd be much of a question in my mind mm-hmm. about whether or not i was on board yeah yeah um
0: we would need to do it back in an olson kundig uh, architecturally designed home this next time though we, yeah, did the, we did, it, we, did the, fr- it. we did we did we did the Lloyd, right that. and i did yeah. and, and and now we've had that experience now i want to go the opposite direction let's go ultra modern pacific northwest olsen kundig hmm. let's do it let's go
1: yeah that was another thing that okay. I, f- I forgot about that the spaces that you guys did the work in were helping inform the process in your choices
0: oh they cert they certainly informed the process i mean ron's ron's Pot for the Doug yeah. for composition Falling water vibe, whatever. yeah, and and your stand that uh accommodated that the that.
2: copper came out of that site entirely, yeah. You know, going out to what's his name, smoke spot on his roof, right? Uh, there that that copper roof was something to behold, right? That um, whole situation was, but yeah, was that behold. ever
1: shown in any of the videos?
2: No, it was on the what, back side because it was a single the copper roof.
1: roof. I don't remember ever hearing about that.
2: Yeah, it was kind of like uh, late in the day, hanging out with the homeowner. Hey, I got a grill on the roof. I smoked salmon on. Like, you want to come up and check this out? I'm like, I'm going to climb on a Frank Lloyd Wright roof. You give me half a chance, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it was just totally sheathed in copper. It was fucking amazing. It's gorgeous. Wow.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd never heard Dude, that. I was a little bit of the black sheep uh-huh. in that project. Let's just be really honest. I mean, we were so <laughs>
2: sick of them by that point in uh-huh. the day. Austin anyway, and Ron got along know?
0: just fine. I was the asshole the whole time. <laughs> Poking
1: and prodding. Uh-huh, yelling. <laughs>
2: I mean, I just felt like we were dragging him along creatively. <laughs> in the whole project. Yeah, yeah
1: right. a lot of de- a lot of right. dead weight on the eye side of that thing, right?
2: Yeah, you know. Hey, like, you hey, only li-
1: <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Uh, speaking about smoking
0: things, I saw on your uh, Instagram story, you're burning wood now. What the? What are you doing?
2: I did charring? not burn that. I didn't. I did not char that wood at all. Huh. Um, I got that piece off. I got this guy. I found in Northern California who's got manzanita literally by the pile. I mean, he's got seven foot piles of manzanita burl and it's become my chief manzanita supplier, which needed to happen because that stuff is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying hard and long to find reliable, good sized manzanita. And I was just like, uh, aside on that too, this guy's got an Alaska mill and he's telling me stories of getting me manzanita slabs and you know, we'll see. Mm -hmm. I'm, fingers crossed on that one. Cause if I can get furniture sized manzanita it's so on, I mean, even small pieces, make a stand out of manzanita. Just yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also is just one of those guys that collects wood pieces, you know, he just mills, whatever comes his way. And he had this like really awesome curly piece of old growth, redwood kind of laying up on the ground when I was getting some manzanita off of him. And I was like, well, you know, how much, how much for that you know, bored. And, and, you know, he's like, well, throw me a price. And I'm like, God, okay. You know, I don't know. And anyway, he just kind of ended up throwing it on top, just to take it. Cool. Um, and it wasn't in the best of shape, but the color was good. The figure was as good as it gets in redwood, super curly, you know, super dense, red, old growth, good shit. Um, but it's a, it's a fire environment. Those things grow up in, and this piece had been burned prior to being felled and milled. Um, So the existing burn marks from sunburn at some point in this tree's life were in, in the wood. Um, and so I'm just incorporating that. I I did not do anything to that piece that is as it came. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, that kind of is part of the, the live edge net that I like to cast is, you know, that fire scar to me is as legitimate as any, you know, slab profile live edge, um, And so when I was, you know, playing with these pieces and I was like, well, shoot, I'm just going to, you know, instead of like trying to cut around these burn marks, I'm just, we'll just dive in and and just take advantage of them Mm -hmm. and and use them for what they are. Um, But they did have this real nice kind of subtle oval kind of curve to it. So I think it's going to create, I'm making a bonsai stand out of it, a circular one. And I think it'll create this kind of nice dome space under the stand from that curve of the burn. Oh, um, and totally play into the redwood material as well. Um, you know, it fits that, that species perfectly. Yeah. Um, so I'm pretty excited to see where that that's going to go. Jeez. Um, I got two gems of a, a bonsai stance coming out the works right now. I got doing two round ones, one out of redwood, all curly, hmm. just, you know, to the nines on the figure. And then the other ones, all uh walnut burl. Like wow. the whole damn thing i just decided you know fuck it like let's just go all the way what if the legs the rails the top the mm-hmm. whole thing is just dense burl
0: and this is what um, it looks like to make a ten thousand dollar stand
1: yeah you know
0: that's part of the conversation that's right speaking of creating those things that are going to
1: stick around for a little while no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. the The <laughs> environmental uh, idea with the redwood that's uh, really that's really interesting. It it honestly the sta- I mean, honestly, it goes it, I mean,
0: it literally goes hand in hand with the project that we're working on right now. I would be I would be super what are interested. On right now? We did a Mariah in the Wild project in uh, in the redwoods, and uh, yeah, yeah. a portion of the project involves fire, and uh, and and it it's it's turned into a pretty radical uh exploration for us as a company and and just in the context of bonsai and what it can represent so uh hearing you talk about this burned redwood with these these kinds of nuanced aesthetics and and concepts is we're literally working on it right now ira and i just potted the piece up actually so
2: nice i've been itching to get fire into the works for -hmm. for years now i mean i've kind of proposed to several um custom clients about using fire in the piece and none of them have come through yet um but just i mean especially these days where fire is so much more a part of the the dialogue every year when we start to hit the fire season you know 12 years ago when i first moved out to Oregon the fires weren't even something you thought about or discussed. Mm -hmm. Um, and now we all pray that we're going to get a reprieve this year and not going to get smoked out. And, you know, we just come September, everybody's kind of crossing their fingers, hoping for the best. Sure. Um, but it's really become an integral part of, of kind of the West coast lifestyle Mm -hmm. and living. And there's an admiral side to that and a regenerative side to that. And then there's this destructive negative side. um, but I think it's an interesting kind of landscape to explore um, just in the sense of the ecology of the trees and how it functions in their world. And then how, you know, our decisions of humans have changed that and kind of how it's influencing our world yeah. now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it'll be uh, I'm excited about it. Um, I like, you know, working from, I guess I would consider it the found object. Uh, the live edge is just kind of like it's already established Mm -hmm. there. And then it's kind of like using your creativity to incorporate that into your own vision, but kind of working from that base, you know, same way you collect the tree, you know, there's a framework there. Um, You're not going to regrow the thing. Um, And then using that to form what you want, you know, what your mind conceives of, but having that base Mm -hmm. to kind of build off of, I find interesting. And, um, dynamic i find it invigorating as an artist um rather than just like i draw a design i make a thing i don't know something about that extra little bit that really uh really engages me uh, with the work
0: how how how, how how does that how do you tie that in to your real focus on urban on urban forestry and urban milled wood and sourcing from that because now you're talking about almost two polarities you're talking about sort of this real wild unpredictable form and context created by you know mother nature in these in these extreme scenarios but but you also have a big push into into urban urban tree cutting urban forestry and using that as a more sustainable resource for wood in your work so you're like you're really starting to swing pretty dramatically
2: the the urban too to me kind of like the live edge is a pretty wide net you know there's the urban city you know sidewalk tree thing which is definitely a very big part of that um but it also extends into orchard orchard removal you know when they you know remove old orchard trees that have kind of passed their peak performance they're pulling those out and burning them, you know, where that material, I mean, that's where the walnut burrow comes from is those orchard trees oh, um, gotcha. and, and a lot of other very interesting kind of lumber species that are typically just, there's just not the interest to dealing with it. It's just much easier to rip it, burn it, replant it. Um you know, in any of those areas, I mean, humanity has kind of accessed so much of the natural space that, you know, basically for me, the urban lumber is kind of our artificial, artificial lived environment that we've kind of imposed into nature. So anything that's kind of removed from that expanse, I think, fits under that umbrella. Um, and those spaces do butt up against those wild spaces. Um, they're very much tied together. Um. So I don't see it as being completely a black or white Mm -hmm. in in that regard. Um, But any, any of these, these trees um, are going to present you with a wild array of kind of this found natural interest. I mean, each of these trees that are coming down and being milled have lived a life that, you know, in most cases is two, three, four or more times our life. And over the extent of that life, they've, they've picked up this history that they've kind of like laid down in their grain and solidified. And so it's just like reading a book as far as, you know, what this tree has been through over the course of that life, you know, and, and a, that, in you know, influences the figure and the color, um, growth ring density, you know, all these aspects of lumber that are seen as desirable and what people are looking for, you know, that's part of that tree's history. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding that you know in the redwood sense, you know the burn marks is at is a natural part of that that lifespan, you know. And you get a tree that's six thousand years old, um, you're going to see those, you know, exhibited in the in the lumber. Um, and a lot of times that lumber is is wasted in the sense that it's not feasible to incorporate that in a production setting. It's, it takes a lot of work to you know, cut it out in a way that it is usable in a project or, you know, fits. I mean, to take a giant piece of wood that's cracking, burnt, and then find, you know, this perfect taper for the legs out of that, it, there's a lot of a lot of work in that and, and a little bit of waste um, involved trying to get that perfect piece out of what, you know, has been created for you. Um, and a lot of people just don't take the time mm-hmm. for that. Um just because it isn't economically feasible. Um, The advantage of being an artist is I don't have to be as economically feasible, you know, as your typical, you know, crate and barrel. Um, So I'm able to kind of take the time and and kind of take these pieces and, and, you know, live with them, think about them, you know, and then take chances, cut them up and see, you know, if I can unlock some of this potential from this, you know, long-winded history that they've established for themselves. Yeah. And, and see if I can pull something out of that that's interesting
0: what is it I mean because you're dealing with such unique lumber I'm assuming that a lot of your designs hinge on a successful handling of very uh, one-of-a-kind pieces and what is it what what is the um, what is the failure rate of that in in terms of these projects and these really unique concepts derived from trying to maximize that lumber and then suddenly, you know, something goes wrong. Does that happen often?
2: I mean, yeah, failure is an interesting term because a lot of times success can be built out of failure. Sure. You know, I come at this piece and you've got this great idea and you just think it's amazing and you just can't wait to crack this thing open and make it work. And and then something goes foul. Um, the piece isn't built the way you expected. I mean, with lumber, you know, sometimes there's soft spots or cracks that aren't evident from the outside. You get in, and then you find out that this piece of lumber that had this edge or something that you really wanted isn't a piece at all or isn't going to work or you cut it wrong. Um, but in that kind of process, then maybe another opportunity opens up. Right. And then it's like, oh, well, you know, this original idea that I had that I was so attached to, I have to throw that away, but now there's this other avenue that's opened and maybe it's even better um, than the first. I think a lot of it's coming at it with an open enough mind where you can throw away, you know, your quote unquote artistic genius um, and evolve the design as you kind of get into the material and kind of through the experience of making it um, and not being just completely tethered to one outcome, and then when that outcome isn't feasible, you know, the whole thing is just wasted. Um, But allowing yourself to kind of discover in the process of building, I think, is an important part of my at least creative process. Um, At least in my case, I don't have to worry about killing it. So when I do push too far, oftentimes I may be able to salvage something from the remnants, whereas, you know, if you're actually trying to keep this thing alive, um, that may not be a feasible option anymore. Um, so maybe more on the line for you in that sense. Um, but you know, the live edge you can manufacture to a large extent. Yeah. I, oh there
0: no, I, no, because I was thinking the same thing as I was. No, I was just Brown sitting. Nods. No, I was thinking what Ira. I was thinking what Ira was saying as he as he brought that up. Just as you were describing it, and I was I was trying to wrap my mind around you know for me the tree's got to lead the dance because there is the survivability of of what you know i'm going to do to that tree and if i the more that i'm working with the tree typically the higher the success rate of the operation and the aesthetic outcome and so from that perspective of working with the tree ultimately the, the better the material, the more wild the material that I'm working with, the more radical the aesthetic change or outcome of that scope of work if I'm reading that tree and letting the tree guide the dance. And so I was just sitting here thinking, like, the more radical and unique the the, the wood and the nuanced pieces that you're working with, does it create a more radical and wild outcome to the the pieces that you're making. And I was just thinking about your work and sort of wondering how much of the forms that you've created have been the result of those outcomes determined by the wood that have led to the aesthetic, or if there's more of finding the wood that allows you to accommodate the aesthetic you're trying to create.
2: I mean, a lot of it is I'm collecting, you know, I'm looking for species of wood. I'm all, you know, people like walnut, people like oak, that kind of stuff. But I also am shopping a lot for shape and form in the material, you know, sometimes in terms of live edge, sometimes in terms of grain structure and movement and all that. Um, You know, in the same way you go out in the woods, you're not digging up every tree you see, you know, because some just don't have the potential to kind of achieve the artistic visions that you're after, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a little straight wig of a thing is not ever going to be you know this kind of showstopper um at least not in our lifetime um and then you know material in the woodworking sense is kind of that way as well i mean there's material i look at i'm just like this is boring i don't see any potential to make this interesting Mm -hmm. um you know and some people will fawn of it i I, you know doug fur to me falls in that category a lot um people like oh i love the vertical grain it's just like well for my aesthetic that just isn't you know, where my interest lies. Um, You know, and a lot of times the wild, like that last bent leg stand I did that was black with the the cherry barrel inside. I mean, that was wild material Mm -hmm. for that inside of the curve. Mm -hmm. And I think that did produce a very dynamic result. And I don't think it would have been dynamic if it wasn't for that material just being so extraordinary in its shape. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like that you know, since, I mean, that was a once in a lifetime piece there. Mm-hmm. Um, and those do really can often push, you know, some yeah. really awesome stuff. Um, but then I feel like I've and you know, some material that's maybe slightly tamer. I feel like you can get a really amazing design out of that. It's just kind of using the potential that's in the material and exploring it for the maximum effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't have to start out as a 10 to achieve a 10. I mean, you can get a five material and then you can elevate that through your own input and the work, um, I think, and create something a little more impactful and interesting. Um, I think it always is going to have to come with a small degree of interest. I mean, I know in woodworking, figure... Is, is kind of a variable in the wood. Um, take English walnut, for instance, just as an example. Um, you know, your kind of base level English walnut is going to have a wide sapwood, uh, kind of milk chocolate tan in the middle, and, and that's it. Uh, but then you can elevate that material from there. I can't, but the material can. And just depending on how it grew, the stresses in its life, sometimes, you know, you get a narrower sapwood and that milk chocolate, instead of being milk chocolate, has, you know, rich, dark, black veining going through it. Um, and that's kind of my 10, you know, on an English walnut spectrum. You know, you throw in a little bit of curl on top of that. And suddenly now we've got something, you know, pretty impressive to work with. On um, that one stand I, I delivered to you, you know, that sold was was out of English walnut kind of a that caliber where, mm-hmm. you know, that was from the, the fork of the tree, the crotch, uh, which was introducing the figure and the color you know curl um but that black veining you know that is not every english walnut you're going to crack into that's, that's a special example of that tree you know And then old growth new growth you know with the redwood you know that comes into play the new growth stuff just doesn't it's a lighter color the rings are further apart even if you have new growth curly redwood to me it's just not as impactful not as interesting as the old rich deep red with the very tight ring growths, you know, that stuff is always going to kind of bat above, you know, the new stuff. Um, and it's always going to provide more interest in and in a, more interesting uh, result yeah. than than using some of the more new growth stuff. Um, so, yeah, in some regards you're, you're having to start off with a, a certain base of uh, interest in the material that then I think you can, you can really build on that and, and create something really amazing out of something that may not have been, you know, absolutely a once in a lifetime stunning material from the onset.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, do you ever feel so, like I, you go too far? And this is maybe a little bit for both of you guys. Cause I, I, I understand the bag of tricks and I've seen Ryan do a lot of work and I don't necessarily have an answer, but You know there's the there's the way to take something that's maybe so so or kind of interesting and make it really interesting but is there a point where either of you feel like you've done something and you go god i kind of i kind of push it too far outside of you know whatever now it doesn't look real or the value's gone or i don't know
2: i would say i beat myself up more often for not going far enough uh more than the other way around um You know, or you don't take a chance because you do think, oh, nobody's going to buy this if I do this. This is just too crazy. This is just too nuts. You know, it has no market. I'm just going to be sitting on this thing forever. I'm going to piss off a client, you know, or whatever. And so you pull back a little bit. And I think then it tames the final work. And and it's just not as interesting. And you're like, damn, you know, that material deserved a little bit more than that. You know, I shouldn't have, you know, dialed it back. I feel like the times when I do take chances, and I'm like, "This is too much. This is ridiculous." Um, it does kind of come out up great, and it's kind of like, "Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't." You know, when I was doing that that liquor cabinet with that crazy little group oh, lineal. on that the top was of it, else. That was I never really
0: wanted to look at know, a cabinet so bad in my life. I've never <laughs> wanted to drink alcohol so badly in my life, <laughs> yeah, just I'm so, so d- I could open that cabinet to access right something. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was That's an incredible so help piece. Spread is an incredible piece. Good. Yeah. And, yeah thanks for. and writing. that was
2: a real risk there to to leave that on the piece mean, um, because it is ridiculous um it is unnecessary um but i think that piece would be nothing without it mm-hmm. um, so by you know taking that risk and, and just going ahead and be like yeah this is you know not only a part of this piece but that's kind of this is going to be the focal point of this piece um,
0: Where is I that piece that, now? Is that piece in a private, it's a, privately owned? or is it's a it day
2: in the life. It is. It's a day in the life.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I
2: think actually, if you do want to, you know, get your drink on, you can go down there and uh, get a get a whiskey. Out yeah. Of there, I like I Joe. Like, if you Joe
0: want. Joe's a good dude. Yeah, I, I good should guy. go down there. I've never been into a de- uh, day in the life. Uh, I was always very determined for him to to have him make a suit for me. I, I'm still pretty psyched on
2: that. Yeah. He's done. I mean, he took on a, a, a bit there, you know, opening up a downtown shop uh, when he did. You know, with that gallery, um, but I think he's done a great job with it. Yeah, um, the space is amazing, and um, you know he's making it work, which is great. He's—he's um, he's a it's nice. You see a gallery start because most of them have been dying these days. Yeah, um, so It's a new, movie, it's fabulous. I feel like
0: you know, going back to your question, for me, I feel like failure comes when I overly overly domesticate something wild, which I which I could which I. I I wonder how that works for you, Austin, in terms of over domesticating a really wild piece and, and turning it into a more mundane final product, which I'm not saying that's what you do, but I, but I throw that out there. And then I have, there was one tree, still one of the most elegant limber pines that I've ever worked on. That I just trying to get it to do what I wanted it to do. It didn't need anything done to it, and I and I felt like doing bonsai when I first came back from Japan was was doing something radical to a tree. I had like a total misconception of what it was all about, and I and I broke that tree in half, uh, mm-hmm. and and I still think about it. Yeah, it was thirteen years ago. I mean, it was like one of the very first trees that I worked on. Uh, after Japan that's haunting in, 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 in Randy's garage. Yeah. And he came out and he was like, what'd you, why would you do? And I was like, I, I just totally, I totally screwed up. I like totally screwed it up. And that, that, that was more, both of those situations are very disturbing to me. Uh, when you overly domesticate something in bonsai, um, And you take away the wildness of a piece of material, it's like, well, then you you kind of took away the value of what made it special, you know. And everybody's like, I want this wild thing, and then they hire some professional to make it look like every other freaking generic uh, run of the mill bone sign. It's like, well, what was special about that thing has now completely been stripped from it. Covered up. Congratulations, congratulations! Congratulations. You've put a big green dome over that wildness. That's what
2: I've always admired about your work ryan as you've taken those chances i always uh, i think some of my favorite pieces of yours are the one where the dead wood is just like coming right out at the viewer Yeah, you know it's just kind of like ready to poke you in the eye mm-hmm. and it's just such a, a bonsai faux pas um to do that i always really love to see it and i always find them very engaging mm. as uh artwork you know very interesting pieces um and I do think too, going back to that limber, um, I think ego is, is a big part of it when you're collaborating with a found object, a piece, living tree, piece of wood or whatever. Um, you know, part of that, uh, collaboration is that sensitivity to like, what does this piece need for me to make it into something amazing? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is zero and, you know, it's easy as an artist to get caught in this loop where you want to really be part of the show, you know? And, you know, like, well, it doesn't need anything, but I really want to do something because I want to create something and I want to be a part of this process where I'm really, you know, I'm not a part of this process this time.
0: I'm not needed. And so you try. I'm not needed here. You don't need me. Yeah.
2: You know, it's kind of like raising a kid. It's like, oh, you don't need me, but I really want to be the parent. I really want to be here right now. I want to help out. And so I'm just going to come in. I'm going to fuck it all up. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, that's one of those instances where you're like, I should have, you know, pulled myself back rather than pulled the piece back. you know, and that happens, I think, too, where, you, you know, you're like, um, you try and over impact a piece or try and mm-hmm. over, you know, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of times with me, maybe that's trying to stabilize something that's unstable. And maybe I should have just left it unstable, um, you know, one in a million ways that you can you can ruin an amazing piece of wood. Um, I think in woodwork uh, that you do have to have this willingness to destroy amazing material. Um, I meet woodworkers all the time that's just been sitting on things for eons and I sit on pieces of wood too Um, but just like you know okay I'm going to crack into this today and if this piece ends up in the the burn pile so be it whatever Mm -hmm. let's just go for it Mm -hmm. you know let's just do this Um, take the risk if it fails it fails If it succeeds awesome but I'm not going to let the you know the the scare the, the nervousness of failure prevent me from making something out of this today. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to hold back um, because I don't want to ruin something that's nice. Uh, I'm in the business of ruining nice things. That's half of what I do, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. The other half is selling the ones that make it out alive. Um, This is a great description of what you do for a living.
0: (laughs) Selling the ones that survive. Good dinner party conversation. We're happy
2: with them for one out of three. You can make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, if I get half, I'm doing awesome.
0: That's a nice. That's a nice analogy. I I was. I went and watched Little League baseball last night after work because. Daph just playing little league baseball, and there's a lot of little league baseball in, in my household these days. And uh, and I was sitting there and and we were having a conversation about how good you know a professional baseball player is. Because my dad has historically loved basketball, but he hates to watch the NBA because he says NBA players are lazy, they don't hustle. But when you watch somebody do something at the highest level that it can be done, they make it look easy. It looks effortless. And if you talk to NBA players, and I, this was really watching the—I don't know if you watched the Last Dance, like about the Chicago Bulls, oh, I like the that. ten. I watched. That, I yeah. know
2: of it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh gosh, it's worth watching. so is so
0: well done as a documentary. Yeah, yeah. and Poor sports fan. Yeah. And you realize how freaking gnarly uh, NBA basketball is for those guys and how hard they're actually working and how it looks like they don't care, but they're like really up against it when they're in these games. And it's just like, you don't, you don't get that visual conveyance. And I've, as I'm like listening to you talk, like the way that you work with wood is on a different level than most woodworkers, right? You are at the, you are on the upper echelon of the ability to handle this medium in ways that other people can't. To elicit aesthetics and concepts through it that most people can't even touch or conceptualize. And you probably make it look very easy and effortless. So it is always nice, number one, to create perspective for people that are listening to you talk about this idea of, of, of utilizing wood to make these, you know, artistic concepts come to fruition. It's nice to create that perspective and that uh, proportion to what you're doing and then it's also nice with that perspective to then hear you uh you know recognize how, how freaking challenging it is and and the yeah, fact I mean, that not all of them get across the finish line
2: yeah, i mean it's my job to make it look easy um i think you know it's like the social media thing i mean it's like you look at anybody's social media and we're all busy successful having a great time that's not the reality <laughs> right. wait wait that's not um, yeah huh Except maybe in my case. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for the average person, so to speak, you know, that's not the reality of their world. Um, but at the same time, it's not necessarily a successful business model to pull that veil back and have the social media account that, you know, highlights all your your, your failure and sad times. Um, that's a good way to get people to tune out. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, on, in art, you're, you're projecting your successes um, that's what gets out in the world that's what people see mm-hmm. um there's not like the failed art exhibit where you know you stack all your dead trees in a pile in the corner of a gallery and people come in and awe over them um people have asked me to do that know, before they, you know
0: those would be the, those would be the bold moves that you make and that like maybe people outside of the industry of bonsai would be like wow that's so interesting and compelling and inside of bonsai it's just like that's a, it's kind of hardcore that's yeah. a that's a I, I i like i'm all about confronting these like tough situations but hey that's really not what it's all about it's not what it's all about we don't
2: really want to celebrate that
0: no it's not what it's all about. aesthetically
2: speaking too i don't think it would be very impactful because most of those things by that point are just they're not that visually interesting i think conceptually that's where you get the ooze and the ahs. Mm-hmm. um but art is a conceptual model. I kind of got tired of and gave up a while ago. I think that's what pushed me out of painting more than anything is I, I just didn't want to explore this conceptual thing. I, I really like the tangible hands-on mm-hmm. aspect of it all. Um, like I wanted to, to make something that it spoke for itself. Yeah. You know, there was no aha to it almost. Yeah. Um,
0: where where are, you, where are your uh, concepts and ideas or ambitions taking you moving forward from where you've come from? You know, the beauty of Marai, I think, has been following all of these different artists' processes. We've podcasted with you a number of times. We've live streamed with some of your work and even you've been on the stream before. And it's like continuing to see this progression, which started with the lab project as like opening the new door to these 365 Uh, you know, days a year stands that can exist outdoors. It's like moving forward. Where does Austin Heitzman see himself going or what are your ambitions moving forward? Doing headed in the same trajectory, continuing to explore, or is there something really pointed that you're aspiring or maybe itching to, uh, to try and tackle or, or, or sort of a direction that you want to head?
2: I don't think there's one unified goal in mind as far as all that goes. Um, I think a lot of me lately, I've been kind of thinking about things and kind of accepting, you know, going back when you're talking about me working on the material, like what I do versus, you know, what other people do and what makes me special as a furniture maker and an artist and kind of really, I've always kind of fought that duality mm-hmm. um because i am making practical objects but i'm not making them as necessarily practical objects at the same time too it's kind of this weird yeah they're art but yeah i can eat on it um so you know where do i fit between those two camps um and i think at this point i'm just starting to kind of grow a little comfortable with the fact that i am i have a foot in both you know worlds right and that's okay Um, and that's just my mode of working. And, you know, to be a successful business, you don't have to be their successful business. You know, I don't have to be this mass production furniture shop, and then I don't have to be, you know, this conceptual crazy art. Um, but I think pushing, you know, the wild element in the work, um, pushing how the live edge is used is something that I'm really I think part of accepting all that is kind of pushing me in that direction. Where it's like, okay, if I'm not this, you know, cut dry furniture shop, you know, then what separates me from that? And how can I advance that? And, you know, how wild can I make something that is still a practical object? Mm-hmm. You know, and where does that balance lie? And I think a lot of, too, is, is the continued hunt uh, for material. Um, the material is what really got me into woodworking and the interest in the lumber and the wood. And what kind of variety and interest I could find in that. Um, And now being further in my career, I have the freedom to explore that even further. You know, when you're starting out, you don't have the resources. Getting the big, crazy stuff is very complicated. Um, But now that I have, you know, more connections and and everything, I'm able to kind of explore material on a level that I hadn't in the past Um, over covid Uh, I did a number of kind of log buys um, from out of the immediate Portland area. Um, You know, I was getting rosewood out of Arizona uh, that was growing on the streets there. Um, And then some of this walnut burl and manzanita I'm getting out of California. I mean, this stuff is just like, I've never seen stuff this amazing before. I've never had the chance to work with material this good before. And just kind of the excitement of pushing that just being like well okay you know now that the level of good has been raised and everything that i thought was great is now just okay Mm -hmm. like well there's got to be even better still out there where does that come from it's like getting exposed to that's That's exciting yeah yeah, that's
0: exciting and then just even understanding like like, i never
2: sure i never imagined i would be able to find dalvergia true rosewood in the continental united states i didn't think that was even an option and turns out it is, um, you know, thanks to the fact that people will grow anything that grows, you know, people are growing these things in the cities. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, kind of pushing that even further well, what else is out there that I'd always thought was, you know, some other regional thing, like what else is available and, and what, what can I discover that's just completely just not on the map, um, you know, and, and trying to see where that takes it. Um, Love I'm that. really excited to kind of push that arena. Um, you know, the good thing about the urban lumber is it does open up the variety, uh, far beyond what would be naturally available, right. You know, in a natural sense, continentally we're, we're limited and, and what lumber species we can use and play with. Um, but if you're cutting down things that people plant suddenly now, um, that has been, that door has been thrown wide open and, and there's a, variety there that wouldn't be achievable any other way mm-hmm. so you know there's a, a ecological and environmental side to using the urban trees but i think there's also an artistic side um, which is great because it's nice to be able to kind of have it both ways you know to to do something that's slightly more sustainable but at the same time that is more engaging and more interesting as well i'm not limiting myself because of it i'm actually doing the opposite so
0: well wow wow I gotta let you go. You gotta go get a cortisone shot and get rid of your poison oak. <laughs> that's
1: what I was saying. I think your trucker name is
0: Poison Fingers Oak. Crossed.
2: I gotta. Uh, oh my gosh! That's, that's what it is. is.
0: Oh my gosh! Your poison oak. Your poison oak. That's your you trucker name. You are poison oak. You
2: just it, call me Po for short then. Or? No, no. Find <laughs> me
1: your Po box. No, you got
2: it. no. Yeah, that's a lot of syllables, Poison Oak, though. Uh, mr steel poison, poison, poison
1: oak hey sometimes I'm you get something poison like oak. that and you don't you don't always have the power
0: to we, choose we could
1: make it less on the nose and we could call
0: you
2: easy for steel to say <laughs> easy yeah that's for right mr steel we can make da, it da, da, we can make it
0: less on the nose and just called you poison o oh poison o mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: okay i think i could live with that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'll yep. just call me po or we could call you po could've...
0: yeah i feel like that's going to get really <laughs> confused with like po box he's always so angry
1: gonna, he's always so po'd mm-hmm. yeah, yeah
2: i think it's just gonna come down to bo eventually and uh well and, the season and and I we're right you were right calling me poison oak
0: i think we could go farther and we could call you that. the poison arrow Ooh, which would merge well no, with laser cool. beam and mr <laughs> steel and poison arrow we're yeah.
1: starting our own uh league of extraordinary gentlemen uh league of superheroes right I ever here go to
2: war i could hold on to that as my call sign this I, is the I league of do, superheroes like,
1: yeah this is like
0: bonsai superheroes right now seek and destroy i love this yeah. hey, hey austin thank great. you thanks for sitting down with us today man i know you're a busy dude yeah and uh and i was super thrilled when i got this recent set of your work i just thought it was so inspiring so to get to wrap cool. with you about well, I got
2: it a few more coming your way good um, thank goodness so, thank more than those
0: I am a hoarder wow. of cool kick-ass things, so uh, the more that you oh. want to, he's developed a whole business here, around this. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. have made a business around collecting awesome stuff. I think
2: basically. that's where we're all at with business, basically.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, good luck with the poison oak, man.
2: Thank you. We'll talk Thank again It'll soon. Be fun. Yeah. 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 Sounds good. All Thanks, right, man. Austin. Good chatting. Yeah. Take care, Later, guys.
0: Soon. Bye. Bye.